1: Judge Roy Moore on the program in the final hour of the program. As you know, I endorsed him right after the Republican primary, or the first part of the Republican primary, having backed Mo Brooks. But it's time for everybody to rally around Roy Moore, who I rallied around immediately. If we're ever going to make any changes in Washington, D.C., we got to do it one state at a time, one senator at a time, one congressman at a time. What can we do, Mark? What can we do? This is what we do. But this hour I want to talk about health care. Now, the fact of the matter is, the Democrats, 18 of them in the United States Senate, support socialist national health care. 18 of them. And you and I both know if they take the United States Senate, a majority of them will support it, and they'll use the budget process to get it. They're already admitting, aren't they? that Obamacare doesn't work. We already know Obamacare doesn't work. So rather than being circumspect, stepping back, saying, you know what, this direction is wrong, they take it to the next level. And as you know, that's what progressives do. Their policies cannot work. Because when you reject human nature, when you reject knowledge, when you reject reality, and you're pushing a phony paradise, you destroy, you burn down. You eviscerate, and that's what they do. As best I can tell, the Senate Republicans, you will never get a clean repeal because of Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, John McCain. And there's only 52 Republicans in the Senate. The proposal by Graham and Cassidy and Johnson, among others, which also Santorum had a role in, is not perfect. It's not even close to perfect. But it goes a long way in repealing Obamacare. And that's I'm for it. Now, there are ways to address it in the future, I hope, to further adjust it. But I don't know about you. I've got family members who are suffering under Obamacare. They're not on my policy. And they're suffering under Obamacare. And I'm just being honest with you. If I wasn't around to help subsidize them and so forth and so on, I don't know what they would do. I don't know what they would do. We have more and more able-bodied Americans who are in a decent living, who aren't rich, or are being pushed into Medicaid. We have more and more able-bodied Americans who are in a decent living, who cannot afford their health care anymore, whereas they could before Obamacare. Nobody, nobody represents them. Nobody talks about them. All I ever hear about is, all oh, the people on Medicaid and the illegal aliens, I don't care about that anymore. We don't exist for entitlements. We don't exist to subsidize people. We want the government to get the hell out of our face and allow us to buy whatever damn insurance we want. So even if this is a small step in that direction, it is a step we must take, Or the reverse is going to happen. 180 million of us are going to lose our private health care. 180 million of us. Because what they're talking about today, single payer, that is national socialist health care, will be a fact in five years or seven years or eight years. That country's on a trajectory that is enormously dangerous and hostile to our beliefs. It should tell you something, that the people who oppose this proposal are not opposing two out of the three, are not opposing it because it goes too far. They're opposing it for one of two reasons. It's not big enough bloated government activity, or they want bipartisanship with the Democrats. I understand Rand Paul's position, but Rand Paul doesn't have the votes. He does not have the votes. And remarkably, he voted for the prior proposal, which was far worse than this proposal. He has his own explaining to do. Because to me, it drips of contradictions and hypocrisy. So here we are again. Two or three or four Republicans. Who are going to deliver. Why is Schumer so happy? You figure it out. And we got to watch this clown, Jimmy Kimmel. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know of any family that doesn't have an individual in the family, whether it's a child, a grandchild, a father, mother, grandparent, who isn't suffering from some medical ailment. It's occurring in my family. And so in order to address it, I have to support socialist, centralized, government-run health care. That's compassion. i got to listen to a A late-night comedian go on and on and on, getting all this attention? There are many people suffering out there. That's what we're trying to address, to make it affordable, competitive, cutting-edge. Not so people have health care coverage, so they get quality medical care. And less and less people can afford it because of Obamacare, and nobody will afford it once they have socialist health care. And now we learn from the Daily Beast of all places... Now we learn that Jimmy Kimmel and Chuck Schumer have been working behind the scenes. From the Daily Beast, Lachlan Marquet, and two others. I don't know who these people are. Over the past week, opposition to the latest Republican effort to repeal and replace Obamacare has been driven by a late-night talk show host who had expressed little interest in health care policy prior to this year. And Jimmy, you say you want to beat the crap out of Kill Me? You're going to have to come through me first, tough guy. You weasel. Jimmy Kimmel's nightly monologues decrying Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy's bill became must-see TV. That's what it's about. As the ABC host systematically attacked both the specific of the legislation and Cassidy himself. Behind the scenes, the ABC star was getting an assist. Kimmel and his team were in touch with health care officials, charities, and advocacy groups. Multiple sources told the Daily Beast. He was also in touch with the office of Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who, according to a source familiar with their conversations, quote, provided technical guidance and info about the bill, as well as stats from various think tanks and experts on the effects of Graham Cassidy. So Jimmy Kimmel now is a mouthpiece. He's a mouthpiece for Obamacare, for government-run health care, and for Schumer. In other words, he's a nighttime clown that doesn't know a damn thing. A damn thing. A mouthpiece for Schumer. The three episodes in which Kimmel tore apart both Cassidy, who previously insisted that any health care bill passed a so called Jimmy Kimmel test, and the bill specifics helped galvanize public and political opposition to the legislation. This is how the Democrats win the culture. They take the clowns on TV, the clowns in the movies, the clowns in Hollywood, and they feed them their mush, which they regurgitate to you and me. Jimmy Kimmel, you're a deceitful SOB. You should have told the American people when you were espousing what you were espousing that you were getting talking points from Chuck Schumer. But you didn't say that, pal, now did you? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because you're a fraud. Of course you're upset about your son. I'm upset about certain family members of mine who are very, very ill. Everybody has family members who are very, very ill, at least most of us. To politicize it like this is awful. Awful. Jimmy Kimmel. In fact, let's listen to this. Cut to, Mr. Producer, go.
2: I should not be the guy you go to for
1: information on health care. Oh, really, really? Why don't you tell everybody who is whispering in your ear, Kimmel? I should not be the guy. I mean, how deceitful is that? I'm just a comedian, but you ought to listen to me. What, do you think I'm dumber than everybody else, Cassidy? Huh? Huh? What he should have said is, according to Chuck Schumer, who I've been in discussions with, XYZ. He never said that, did he?
2: Go ahead. I should not be the guy you go to for information on health care, and if these guys, like inbred John Kennedy, would tell the truth for a change. See, now, inbred
1: John Kennedy, this is a senator from Louisiana. Now he's an inbred. He get that from Schumer, too? Funny joke.
2: Go ahead. I wouldn't have to. Yeah, you know, I see these comments from these angry people. They say, what qualifies you to talk about this stuff? You're a comedian. Go back to being not funny. And I feel like it's my duty to remind these people who are so concerned about
1: my qualifications. Right, enough, enough, enough. Look at, the, look at the show he's putting on, and he never tells you that he was in discussions with Chuck Schumer and these left-wing think tanks. He never says a word about it. Instead, he plays the the rhetorical debating victim. Look at me, you know, I'm just a comedian, I know, and I should be going back to that, but look at this, look at this. Uh, I know this, and people won't be covered. Spewing left-wing talking points, spewing Chuck Schumer talking points. Behind the scenes. They're colluding, don't you know? Colluding. More when I come back. Much love one of the uh, senators who has formulated and been uh, promoting this bill to deal with uh, Obamacare. How are you, Senator?
3: We're good. How about yourself, Mark?
1: I'm doing fine. Uh, I see that uh, Senator McCain has said that he can't support this because it's not bipartisan. Um, What do you make of all this, Senator? Well,
3: that's obviously disappointing, but uh, we're not giving up. I just got off the... Phone conference call at the White House, uh, we're continuing to work on you know the, the formula to try and – and by the way, this is a big feature of Graham Cassidy, Heller-Johnson, is to try and end the disparity or, or tr- certainly try and make the spending of federal funds toward health care more equitable across all the states. And it's, it's a challenge. It's a very complex uh, environment to – That the federal government has set up here with uh, all this, all these different healthcare programs. So we're trying to over a number of period years try and make it more equitable. So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that the state of Maine, one thing I've come to know about Susan Collins is she does her homework, knows her issues. Uh, Maine will come out, I think, beautifully under Graham Cassidy, Heller Johnson. So, you know, I'm not writing off anybody else, uh, but we'll keep, we're plotting on. Nobody's giving up. This is too important.
1: And yet the reports are that uh, Collins is on the fence leaning no, that Rand Paul is a no, that McCain is a no. Can you win any Democrats over?
3: Well, you know, certainly there should be Democrats that are supportive of this. In Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin should be supportive. This is very helpful to Wisconsin. In Missouri, Claire McCaskill, the two Virginia senators. Uh, yeah, and I would say Angus King in Maine. This is very positive, very helpful to uh, to Maine. So... Uh, We're not giving up. This is just way too important. The the alternative, and and quite honestly, even with uh, Senator Paul, uh, okay, it doesn't fully repeal Obamacare. Nor did, by the way, the the partial repeal we put on President Obama's desk as a partial repeal. The only thing that's guaranteed is we don't do this. Obamacare remains the law of the land. The markets will continue to collapse. There will be more calls for more federal federal dollars injected to uh, try and maintain these markets. And so this is a far better alternative. This takes off the path toward a single-payer system and puts on a path of federalism, greater state control, greater individual control over their health, health uh, uh, care process.
1: And it's not the final word. That is, you're, you're trying to uh, change the dynamics here, as I understand it, and then you'll work on other pieces of it as you can. Is that correct? Absolutely. This is just a first step.
3: Let's face it. Liberals, progressives are very patient. Obamacare was the first step towards single-payer. We have to take that giant step away from single-payer. Once we put governors and state legislators and states in control, you'll see a lot of pressure put on Washington, D.C. to create greater flexibility as time goes by. But we have to take this first step. It's, It's imperative.
1: Now, Rick Santorum was on this program yesterday, and he said the key aspect of this is federalism, the way we handled, handled welfare reform. I reminded uh, s- former Senator Santorum that under Reagan, we block granted a lot of the, uh, of the uh, primary and secondary spending for the Department of Education when he couldn't de- uh, abolish that department. He block granted a lot of funds to the states. So this is consistent in that regard, isn't it?
3: Absolutely, and it puts control on spending. You know, One of our problems, Mark, is we're $20 trillion in debt. Over the next 30 years, at least $100 trillion more of deficit spending. It's because 70% of the federal budget is on automatic pilots, so all these mandatory entitlement programs. Well, Obamacare and Medicaid are two of those programs. This actually puts those programs in a box. We start putting some guardrails around them. We put some control. So what Graham Cassie heller Johnson does is we appropriate this money for 10 years, They don't have to be reappropriated, just like food stamps, just like other of these programs have been block granted. It's a good, positive first step.
1: You know, there's been a lot of Jimmy Kimmel out there opposing this bill and attacking some of the sponsors. We've learned today from the Daily Beast, Jimmy Kimmel and Chuck Schumer have been uh, working with each other, collaborating with each other. Did you know that, Senator?
3: I didn't, but what I do know is Bill Cassidy is a wonderful, a good man, devoted his life set up and worked in hospitals for the uninsured you know in my own case you know my daughter had a very serious congenital heart defect we are concerned about giving access to every american to good quality care it's one of the things that's kind of galling about the attacks on the left on this thing there are good people working on this bill
1: it's an amazing, Senator, whenever we get into these debates, when it comes to some massive government program, if you don't move hard left then somehow you fa- you oppose helping sick people or you want people to die or you want people to starve to death, You know, we really have to figure out how to get on the right side of that because it's so absurd that, in other words, if you're not some hard left radical liberal, then you don't care about people.
3: Well, one of the really mo- more grotesque charges is that we're slashing Medicaid, we're slashing spending. Mark, let me just give you a couple numbers. You know, if we just continue on current path, in Medicaid and Obamacare, we'll spend $5.67 trillion over the next 10 years. The current iteration of Graham, Cassidy, Heller, Johnson will spend $5.44 trillion. 5.67 versus 5.44. Not exactly a drastic cut. Less than 4% reduction in the rate of growth in spending not one year is spending cut year over year it always grows just at a little it is slightly less amount and again we're 20 trillion dollars in debt 200 it's 226 billion dollars is reduction versus 10 trillion dollars of added deficit projected for just 10 years 2.3 percent and that's a lot of numbers but it's a drop in the bucket you can't even begin to call those draconian cuts it's a Slight modification, a slight slowing. Senator,
1: can you? Uh, can I hold you over for another five minutes or so? Sure. All right. I'm with Senator. This is too important. Just a sprint pass. That's Senator Ron Johnson, and we'll be right back.
4: America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now,
1: 877-381-3811. Senator Ron Johnson is one of the architects of this new effort. To uh, It's not to completely repeal Obamacare. It's to exchange it with something that will hopefully get us on a different path, including a significant federalism component. Senator, uh, have you or anybody else talked to Manchin of West Virginia, and what does he seem to say?
3: Well, uh, possibly. I mean, we, we, you know, we're, we're always trying to Joe. Joe's a pretty reasonable guy. Uh, you know, right now you know, the efforts. You know, the minute we say repeal and replace, that just turns off every Democrat because you know they they put they hang their hat on Obamacare. So, you know, again, I, I really do believe that if we get this bill passed, you will see some bipartisanship. I've, I've been involved in those. Uh, I've been those meetings with. Uh, uh, Senator Alexander and Senator uh, Murray, there's actually been some pretty good conversations about things like need-to waivers. You know, in other words, you, you've got a really good program up in Maine, the, the invisible high-risk pools. They had guaranteed issues. They didn't repeal it. They just supplanted it with this invisible high-risk pools. Premiums for young people were cut to a third of what they were. For older dudes like you and I, Mark, they were cut in half. And so when Democrats even see some of that truth, some of that reality, Well, we ought to try that, and as long as one state has gone through the the waiver process, why don't we offer, like, a Me Too waiver? And Joe Manchin has been in those meetings. So, again, I think if we start with this, get this federalism beginning, I think you'll see a lot of states, and as a result, a lot of senators, Democrat and Republican, asking for that kind of flexibility for their states.
1: You sound, uh, maybe it's your nature, but you sound somewhat optimistic, and yet, as I keep reading this stuff... um about who's going where and you know, in terms of these senators, your voter too short. Is that wrong? We, we, yeah, we
3: we have to get either Susan Collins and Rand Paul. we, we got to get two two senators. We have to get them we we can't afford to lose you know two more senators. And again, Maine, this is very beneficial. for for Rand Paul, Okay, okay, I know it doesn't It, it doesn't repeal all of Obamacare. It leaves a certain percentage in place, but the alternative is leaving 100% in place and leaving us on this path for single payer. I wouldn't want to be the Republican senator to be the senator to solidify Obamacare long term. I wouldn't want to be in that position. I'm hoping Senator Paul, Senator Collins, or Senator Murkowski don't want to be in that position either.
1: Well, it's quite amazing. I mean, just a pedestrian like me and the American people, we sit back and watch this as the Republicans run right up to the line and they're always two or three short and they tend to be, although not exclusively, the same senators. And so it becomes enormously frustrating for people like me and millions of people in my audience to watch this. Not not that you shouldn't fight for it, but to watch the same handful of senators do exactly the same thing virtually every time. And it must be frustrating as hell for you.
3: I always say nobody can out frustrate me. I think mm-hmm. that's true. Now, I come from I'm coming from a private sector where you know things actually function. I, I've seen you know excellence in the private sector, and then you come here to Washington, you see see the dysfunction. But 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 here's something I always ask the audiences in Wisconsin. Show of hands. How many people think the federal government's efficient and effective? I've asked that question to tens of thousands of the Wisconsinites. I've had a couple hundred people raise their hand. Generally get snickers, outright laughter, and guffaw, that's a good start. The American public does not believe Washington, D.C. is efficient and effective, so quit growing it. Quit quit expecting the federal government to solve your problems. That's why this is such a good bill. It starts the devolving power away from Washington, D.C. into the states. That's where these problems can be solved and should
1: be solved. Mm -hmm. All right, Senator. I mean, uh, I've been rather uh, neutral on a lot of these but on this one, I really like the federalism component. I really think, yeah, there are dangers in this bill, but I really think if we don't hack this Obamacare now, this Bernie Sanders effort, it's actually getting steam. And it's and they're going to go to the races with this thing, and what are we going to keep talking about? Nothing. All right, Senator, no, we, I appreciate it. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I was going to say, and we will so dispirit our supporters. No, th- We've got to do this. We've got to do this. I'm, I'm begging Rand Paul, I'm begging Susan Collins, I'm begging Lisa Murkowski, step up the plate, get us off this path, put us on the path, the Republican, the conservative path of federalism.
1: All right, Senator, Senator Ron Johnson, thank you, sir, appreciate it. Have a great night. You too. Well, I'm not a rah-rah guy, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, pom-pom, I'm not, uh, I'm not into the rockets or anything like this, but I do view this as an important first step. I really do. But, uh, you know, Rand Paul and John John McCain won't be dissuaded. John McCain's getting accolades from all over Hollywood, and he loves them. Cher, and who else? And Jimmy Kimmel, he's a hero, and Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, Hollywood is just uh, overflowing with praise on uh, John McCain. You know, uh, Mr. Producer, let us, what, what cut was that of John? I want you to listen. This is about four minutes. But I decided not to cut. I want you to listen to John McCain one year ago when he was running for re-election against a congresswoman from Arizona by the name of Ann Kirkpatrick. I want you to turn up the volume on your radio or your handheld device or however you're listening or on your computer. I want you to listen to this back and forth for four minutes and see how completely deceitful John McCain was to the electorate of Arizona. Completely deceitful. Because remember, what John McCain is saying now is he doesn't like the fact that it's not bipartisan. That's incredible when you consider Chuck Schumer has no interest in being bipartisan on anything unless you endorse 90% of his agenda. But this was just a little over a year ago. John McCain debating with Ann Kirkpatrick. Cut 10. Go.
5: 45 seconds rebuttal, Senator. Nonsense. Uh, but the point is that now Congresswoman Kirkpatrick wants us to work together to fix it. The problem is that for the first time in history, a major entitlement reform was rammed through the Congress of the United States without a single vote from the other side. I fought for weeks and weeks and weeks. Against Obamacare, and they would not allow us an amendment. There was not a single amendment allowed, no input from the minority party. We were then in the minority. Now, Congressman Woman Kirkpatrick wants us to sit down and work together. Here's what, how we work together we repeal and we replace it. And right now, it is so bad that the former President of the United States, Bill Clinton, said it's the th- craziest thing he'd ever heard of Obamacare. And so we can fix the health system, but it was based on a flawed premise, and that is that we would take money from healthy young Americans and spend it for the health care of less well older Americans. And and, and by the way, there is 14 of the 15 counties in Arizona that have only one health care provider, and that's the one. Let's stop right there.
1: Do you hear him talking about bipartisanship? We need to have a bipartisan solution? No, contrary. He talks about what the Democrats did, what a disaster Obamacare is, financial disaster, disaster to his counties, people can't get coverage. And he pulls this stunt, which Schumer's thrilled about. I don't want to hear about Democrats being compassionate, Democrats caring about people. He said 14 out of 15 of his counties have one plan. How is that compassionate? How is it compassionate holding on to a system that is destructive? That makes sure that people who do need care don't get care. Go ahead.
5: Obama and Congresswoman Kirkpatrick said, if you like your policy, you can keep it. Okay. If you like That's... your doctor, you can keep it. We got your rebuttal time there. So Congress. he
1: admits, he admits, you can't keep your policy and you can't keep your doctor. But now it's a process argument. Let me tell you what I think's going on here and keep that spot, Mr. Producer. Let me tell you what I think is going on here. John McCain's contempt for Donald Trump is so deep. That's what's going on here. Just listen to what he has said over the last six months. And I feel bad that this man has brain cancer. It's a horrible, horrible thing, and I don't wish that on him or anybody else, except the terrorists, of course. But there's no other explanation for this phony argument. I just (coughs) just want bipartisanship. With a party in the Senate that he knows does not want bipartisanship. Go ahead.
6: I'm pleased. The
5: idea of if it's got problems, repeal it, get it out of there, replace it with something else.
7: Ted, I was at a wedding not too long ago, and the father of the bride pulled me aside, tears streaming down his face, and he said, "Anne, you know I'm a Republican." You know I voted against you because of your health care vote. He said, I wouldn't be here today to walk my daughter down the aisle if you had not voted for health care. I don't want to go back to the days when somebody with a pre-existing condition would have died and not been able to walk his daughter down the aisle, but we do have to fix it. There's no question about it, and we really need to address the increasing cost of prescription drugs. By the way, could I just
5: mention that according to a Gallup poll, majority of Americans do not approve of the Obamacare. And 29% of Americans, according to Gallup, say that they have been harmed by Obamacare. So I know you mean. Not...
1: Listen to what he's saying. It's an argument against his position today. It's absolutely incredible. And this wasn't that long ago when he was seeking the votes of the people of Arizona for re-election. He got like 53.5% of the vote or whatever it was, 54%. And he just flips. And he did this on immigration before, too. Just flips. Go ahead at weddings but
5: the fact is the majority of the american people have resoundingly rejected obamacare and as far as pre-existing conditions are concerned we obviously could have risk pools to take care of those people nobody's ready to abandon them
0: to that point thousands of people have
2: been insured because of the affordable care act uh, but many people are paying much more than they used to for the same care or worse care so what is your message to you to excuse me to them
7: Yes. And, you know, I just heard from a man the other night who had private insurance and his insurance rates this year were going to be three thousand six hundred and fifty dollars a month. And he said, thank heavens he was able to get insurance through Obamacare and his premium is about five hundred dollars a month.
5: Blue Cross Blue Shield has announced that they're going to have a sixty five percent increase in their charges. Sixty five percent. The, the, the co-pays and the deductibles are skyrocketing out of tra- out of out of sight and that's why 21 million americans That's
1: enough and that's why John McCain's going to save obamacare You heard all the arguments he made I cut this off halfway or so right Mr. producer Another minute left of him making all the arguments against obamacare and when push comes to shove he won't vote against it not even over a particular policy issue. He won't vote against it because it's not bipartisan. It's not through regular order. So all these people are going to suffer. There aren't going to be competitive policies available to the vast majority of people in the state of Arizona. The premium increases he's talking about in some places up 65% in one year. People find their premiums unaffordable. Companies are laying off people because they can't afford health care. And yet, look what he does. Look what he's doing. Of all the plans they had other than flat-out repeal, this is the best one. This is better than the plan that existed before that was proposed that Rand Paul voted for. He doesn't even make any sense to me. I mean, if you say he's consistent, he's not consistent. If he had been consistent, he would have voted against all of them other than flat-out repeal. And I favor flat-out repeal. But it's interesting, it's pretty much the same handful. Susan Collins, uh, McCain, and Murkowski, and now this time, Rand Paul. And in the case of Susan Collins and Murkowski, they don't think we're spending enough. They don't think the federal debt is bloated enough. They don't think there's enough redistribution of wealth. I just understand. If you hate Obamacare... And you are really under the gun when it comes to these premiums and deductibles and you're overwhelmed by the bureaucracy that you have to deal with, all the referrals, all the paperwork and all the rest. You have four senators to thank for this now. Should they continue to hold their positions. Four. We know where the Democrats are. But the Republicans promised otherwise. Including these four senators. McCain, Collins, Murkowski, and even Rand Paul. And no, Rand Paul is not to the right of me when it comes to economics. Fact of the matter is, my view is this is a very, very flawed bill. Anything short of flat out repeal is a very flawed bill. And there's still too much federal government involved. But also, there's federalism involved in this, and there's no federalism involved in Obamacare. And I know what socialist nationalist health care will do. One hundred and eighty million of you are gonna lose your private health care. One hundred and eighty million. Eighteen Democrats have already supported this. I am telling you, in five years, that's where we are. Government run health care. That's what's gonna happen. Because these senators who say they don't wanna, you know, they don't wanna they don't want to give up anything on Medicaid, this, that, or the other, just imagine the way it's gonna be in five years from now. Where they still don't want to give up on any of this and it's collapsing at the same time. I'll be right back. Mark
7: Lovin.
1: You know, I did something this year that I never thought I could. I actually measured and installed custom-made blinds. One guy taught me how through his family-owned Houston-based company, Blindster.com. That's blinds R.com. He's a great entrepreneur, Kyle Cox. He started the entire online window treatment industry. Big companies now try to copy him. But Kyle's a man of vision and character who stands by hardworking Americans who just want an honest deal. So you'll always get Kyle's personal fit or free guarantee. If for any reason your blinds don't fit, even if you measured incorrectly, Blindster will make the new sizes needed for free, and you only pay shipping. Kyle treats every customer like he treats me. Since he's my friend, he also gives my listeners a whopping 40% off your entire order of quality blinds, shades, and shutters. Look, if you can use a tape measure and turn a screwdriver, you can install custom-made window treatments too. Blindster.com. Enter promo code MARK at checkout and get your 40% off your entire order. That's blindster.com, blinds blindster.com, promo code Mark. It is a wonderful, wonderful product and service. And Kyle is a really good guy, and he has as his purpose to serve you. All right, Mr. Producer, give me a caller, would you please? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, never mind. I'm in. I'm in finally. I got it. Let's go to, uh, let's see, Herb in Huntsville, Alabama, the great WVNN. Go.
4: Hey Mark, uh, I just wanted to comment on Jimmy Kimmel's son. There was recently there was a boy in England under a single payer system, who mm-hmm. wasn't allowed to come to the U.S. for help, even though his parents had raised over a million dollars to get him the help. Now that's yep. a single payer system. Does he really want his son to be under a system like that?
1: Yeah, and and by the way, why are we measuring healthcare based on what's going on in Jimmy Kimmel's family? Families have people with cancer, with diabetes, with heart disease. Babies, you know, uh, teenagers, older adults and so forth and so on. All, all families at some point suffer from these things. And so uh, the issue isn't one person's family. The issue isn't ten people's family. The issue is what do we do for most people in this country so they have access to affordable medical care? And the answer is always the same. We need more freedom and less government. All right, let us go to Cassie, Hickory, North Carolina, the great WHKY. Quickly, go. Hi, Mark. How are you? Okay. I'm calling about the
0: fact that Every time we talk about these health care bills and everything, it seems like we're just skipping over the pre-existing conditions part and the elderly people's part. And I feel like there's a whole lot of people in this country, and most of us voted for Donald Trump, and we're the ones who did vote Donald Trump. A whole Trump lot of in, people
1: who what, ma'am?
0: That have pre-existing conditions.
1: Right, and this, this plan covers pre-existing conditions. Did you know that? Did you know that?
0: You know, we're going to put
1: them in a high windfall. No, she doesn't
6: know board. that. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here.
0: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark
8: Levin.
1: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Hour 2, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So you can see how the left generates its uh, support for their positions. So Jimmy Kimmel has basically been a mouthpiece for Chuck Schumer the last couple of months. I'm not saying he doesn't believe in this stuff. Clearly he does believe in this stuff. But this is how it's played. This is how he does it. Schumer, the Democrats, the culture. And I want you to hear some of this. Again, I want you to hear Jimmy Kimmel. Cut to, Mr. Producer. Go.
2: I should not be the guy you go to for information on healthcare. care. And if these guys, like inbred John Kennedy, would tell the truth for a change... I wouldn't have to. You know, I see these comments from these angry people. They say, what qualifies you to talk about this stuff? You're a comedian. Go back to being not funny. And I feel like it's my duty to remind these people who are so concerned about my qualifications, the guy you voted for for president, his job qualification was this. Meatloaf, you're fired. Okay? <laughs> he fired Meatloaf on television. And then you put him in the White House. So I'm going to say it again. It's more important than ever to call your senators and tell them not to gut American health care
1: not to gut American health care you know National Review had a good editorial let me let me point this out to you the other day Kimmel is a late night comedian and the father of a beautiful three-month old boy who was born with a congenital heart defect by the way, Brett Baer has such a child too so you know and he's written a beautiful book about it. Kimmel has set himself up as the conscience of the current debate over the last effort at reforming health insurance, and Washington now talks of the Jimmy Kimmel test, which demands that insurance companies be obliged to cover pre-existing conditions without exception or penalty. Kimmel has on his television program twice called Senator Bill Cassidy, author of insurance legislation under current consideration in Congress, a liar, for putting forward legislation that would not treat pre-existing conditions the way Kimmel would prefer to see them treated. We wish the very best to uh, Jimmy Kimmel and his young son, Billy, but holding up cute babies is a dumb way to approach complex policy questions. It should be noted that the changes considered in the Cassidy bill would have no effect whatsoever on Billy Kimmel, inasmuch as those changes deal with the coverage of pre-existing conditions in insurance policies sold on the individual market. Even the most precocious babies are not generally shopping for their own insurance policies from the womb, Most of them are, like Billy Kimmel, covered under their parents' group policies, if they're covered at all. And that latter condition is, of course, what this is really all about. The question of what to do about pre-existing conditions isn't about insurance companies suddenly deciding that they will not cover this or that medical issue for people who have maintained continuous insurance coverage, but rather it is a question about what to do about uninsured people with medical conditions who have decided to seek insurance. And I might add, after they get a condition. The basic architecture of the Affordable Care Act mandates that insurance companies essentially ignore pre-existing conditions when writing new policies, obliging them to insure against events that already have happened, essentially requiring them to bet big on the Falcons in the Super Bowl. This turns insurance on its head. Insurance is a risk management tool that does not work well when the event already has happened. It creates a perverse incentive If there's no cost for the coverage of pre-existing conditions, then people have no incentive to buy insurance at all until they are sick and need the benefits. In order to mitigate that problem, the Affordable Care Act mandates that every American buy insurance and maintain coverage, a mandate that has not been robustly enforced. That means insurance pools composed of sicker and older populations, which is why we have skyrocketing health insurance premiums and insurance companies pulling out of markets left and right. The Affordable Care Act is a poorly designed piece of legislation. It is easy to point to charismatic beneficiaries and conclude that it has been worth the trouble. But everything looks like a winning proposition when you count only the benefits and ignore the costs. In reality, the so-called Affordable Care Act led to millions of Americans experiencing the anguishing disruption of insurance arrangements with which they are perfectly content. Obama and his Democratic allies in Congress promised substantial savings from their law, but in fact the opposite has been the case. Insurance today is less affordable than it was when the ACA was passed, and it is in some ways less accessible too. Many Americans have fewer choices today than they did before the law, or in many cases they have no choice in providers at all. One of the problems with having the national discussion led by lightly informed celebrities such as Jimmy Kimmel and I might add, who are basically propagandists for Chuck Schumer and that ilk, is that people begin to believe their own rhetoric. In this case, that that Republican health insurance reformers are motivated by sheer malice or by obscure financial considerations. Never mind that the biggest financial players in this case, the insurance companies themselves, oppose current Republican reform efforts and largely support Obamacare. That makes discussing the actual problems at hand and potential solutions to them difficult or impossible. Republicans made a critical mistake in two thousand eight and two thousand nine when they rejected the enterprise of health insurance reform per se, repeatedly insisting only that quote, we have the finest health care system in the world, unquote, oblivious to the fact that a great many Americans were unhappy about the system or anxious with good reason about the security and cost of their own health benefits. Democrats are today making the same mistake. Obamacare is now sacred writ, so far as they're concerned, and the prospect of revisiting it, a profanity. But of course, many Americans remain dissatisfied with the current state of health insurance, and Republicans are taking a small, awkward, are taking small, awkward steps toward addressing that. It is not the case, as Kimmel and others insist, that the graham Cassidy bill would throw 30 million people off their insurance plans, or that it would simply cut off federal funding for insurance subsidies in 2026. Such dishonest histrionics, and I'm sure it's coming from Schumer into uh, Kimmel's ear and out of his mouth, do not advance the cause of responsible health insurance reform. It would permit the states to seek waivers from federal pre-existing conditions regulation and experiment with different approaches of their own. Ironically, the effectiveness of the Democrats' charge that modifying the pre-existing conditions rule would see Americans dying in the streets, illustrates why such painful changes are unlikely to be proposed or passed. Such measures are unpopular, and state governments are held democratically accountable to their people, often in a much more immediate and rigorous way than the federal government is. Experimenting with different approaches to pre-existing conditions would, in fact, be desirable. There's no reason to suppose that the best solution for New Jersey is also the best solution for Oklahoma. And the only thing that is entirely clear about the pre-existing conditions approach put forward by the Obamacare law is that it's not working. Now, before the law, there were a great many Billy Kimmels whose parents had health insurance they could afford and work for them. Many of them no longer do. And there's no health care system, not the Affordable Care Act regime, not the Graham-Cassidy reforms, not a British-style government monopoly system that would, in fact, ensure that every single child in Billy Kimmel's situation will receive everything he might need and his parents might desire at a price they can afford. Medical services are a scarce good involving real costs, and barring the conscription, the conscription of physicians, they will remain so. More market-oriented systems ration care through price, whereas public systems ration it through long waiting lists or by simple denial services. Charlie Good of the UK was a cute kid, too. Between the fully nationalized model of the U.K. and the perfect free market system of the libertarian imagination lies a complicated reality in which insurance companies are heavily regulated and in which the consumption of medical services is heavily subsidized in direct and indirect ways. In the U.S. context, that means a number of parallel systems, individual insurance, employer-based plans, Medicare, Medicaid with many state-level variations, the Veterans Administration system, etc., and an ongoing federal reform effort that is complicated by the fact that insurance companies are regulated primarily at the state level. We do not have a health care system. We have dozens and dozens of them. This is not going to be sorted out by a late-night comedian or two and sympathetic appeals about sick children. It's not going to be scored, sorted out entirely by Graham-Cassidy either, though the bill contains useful and important measures. The bill does not, contra the claims of President Trump, represent the repeal and replacement of Obamacare. It is a package of piecemeal reforms, some of which repealing the employer mandate, expanding access to low-cost catastrophic plans, and block granting Medicaid funds are very desirable. That may not pass the Kimmel test, which in its broadest form, the idea that no one should ever go without care for financial reasons, isn't an idea at all, but only a kind of slogan. But the real-world test is the more important one. Republicans should learn from the Democrats' Obamacare errors, foregoing grandiosity and paying very close attention to the details. If they manage to get it right, Billy Kimmel will thank them for it one day. That's a damn good editorial. Jimmy Kimmel really sounds buffoonish with each passing day. He truly does. I'll be right back. By the time this program's over, you're going to know more about this than anybody else. But now I want you to hear the attacks. Uninformed attacks, and yet the platform Jimmy Kimmel has given to kooks like Al Franken. And so basically, the Kimmel position is if you don't support Schumer, Franken, and the hard left and their position, then you don't care about little kids with congenital heart failure or heart disease. That's just pathetic. So is Al Franken on his show last night? Caught one, go.
2: I love that you're a senator. It gives me like, kind of gives me hope for the future. It
0: really does. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you give me hope for the future. I I want to thank you for what you've been doing. Oh, that's nice. You know, uh, usually I, I uh, don't like it when comedians get involved in politics. Uh, uh, but um, when when you did that, that monologue after your son Billy uh, was born, and by the way, it was it was one of the least funny monologues I've seen you give. <laughs> um, Sadly, but, it wasn't. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was important. It was uh, very important and uh, probably the most important monologue you've done because, or at least up to that time, because you had never given an important monologue before. That is true. I, anyway, <laughs> so uh, but it, it was, really was important because it, it sort of laid out what the stakes are. And health. Yes. And uh, especially now that we are seeing this last iteration uh, of Trump care. Um, and, you know, I think it's officially called the screw you, Billy Kimmel uh, Act of two. Right, you, you
1: get you get the drift. You get the drift, how dishonest this is, utterly dishonest. There's a Democrat from Kentucky by the name of Representative John Yarmouth. He gave a weekly speech today about this Graham-Cassidy bill. Cut three, go.
4: This past week we learned that the Senate's latest iteration of Trumpcare... Now stop Graham- right there.
1: Notice the similarity in language. Iteration of Trumpcare. Last iteration of Trumpcare, Franken. Latest iteration of Trumpcare, Yarmouth. They're very good. As they goose-step their way into, uh, into uh, their public appearances. Go ahead.
4: This past week, we learned that the Senate's latest iteration of Trumpcare, Graham-Cassidy, they call it, would likely take health coverage away from approximately 32 million people, a staggering 10% of the American public. Let's be clear. We already knew that the bill, if it becomes law, would eliminate protections for people with pre-existing conditions, and Medicaid as we know it.
1: And so there you go. End Medicaid as we know it, people with pre-existing conditions be out on the street, 32 million people lose their coverage, and so Republicans are forced to say, no, that's not true, and no, that's not true, and no, that's not true. They never have a forward-looking, positive argument to go on the offensive with. What they should say is millions and millions of people have lost their health care under Obamacare, and we intend to get it back for them. Millions and millions of people cannot afford policies anymore, and we intend to make it possible for them to afford them. Millions and millions of people cannot afford the deductions anymore, and we're going to put an end to that over time. And the reason we're going to do that is we're going to eliminate, if not Obamacare outright, we're going to start the process of bringing some rationality to the healthcare system where you actually get to make choices, where there's actually competition, there's actually different types of policies, not those that are run by Al Franken, a comedian, and not a very good one. And no, 32 million people won't lose their coverage. I mean, this whole idea is so absurd. And no, people with pre-existing conditions will have options. And Medicaid as we know it is going bankrupt. So yes, we want to adjust Medicaid. There's no question about that. Here's Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough is a complete self-serving egomaniac chameleon. The morning schmo. Used to pose as a conservative. Used to pose as a Republican. Now he's just a common sense independent. He'll do whatever he has to do because his masters at MSLSD control who he is, what he is, what he says, what he wears, and all the rest of it. Cut, four, go.
9: I cannot believe how stupid this is politically. Hey. I, I, I cannot believe that Chuck Schumer or anybody could have ever signed off on this idea where you're actually going to drive
1: a lot of people. Actually, that's out of order. That's actually out of order. <clears throat> He's calling the Sanders idea a dumb idea, but he also thinks the uh, the Graham-Cassidy idea is a dumb idea. Let us go to cut five... Joy Reid on MSLSD. Go ahead.
7: This is the classic example of of a man who is using his platform truly for good. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel can just do comedy. He has. The right, absolute-
1: let's stop. So you see where all the cheerleaders are. Now let's go back to Joe Scarborough at the top. Cut four. Go ahead.
7: I cannot
9: believe how stupid this is politically. Hey. I, I, I cannot believe that Chuck Schumer or anybody could have ever signed off on this idea where you're actually going to drive a lot of people towards Lindsey Graham's bill because, they're gonna oh, wait a second, socialism, mm-hmm. Medicare for all, for a system we already know is going bankrupt, versus returning it all to the states and taking a chance. Well, both of them are radical. Do... I want to go with a radical plan that I know is going to bankrupt America? Or do we go with a radical plan that...
1: All right. So I just wanted you to see uh, Scarborough firmly taking a position on both sides. But the issue is, not what Scarborough says or the rest, the issue is, what does this all mean to you? I support federalism. I support federalism, ladies and gentlemen, because it... It confronts centralism. It is a it it is it is an alternative to federal centralism. But even more than that I support individualism. And we've got to begin the long road, the process, maybe it'll be ten years, twenty years, I don't know, to get back to individualism, particularly as it applies in this instance to health care. If we just leave things as they are, that is simply not going to happen. That's simply not going to happen. And look, this Graham-Cassidy bill won't get us there in one big bite either. may never get us there. But it's far better than what we have. You know it, and I know it. I'll be right back.
0: Is left is right versus wrong. Call market
1: eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I don't take these elections, these primary battles, personally, but I get personally involved because I think it's important. And people ask me what I think, and so I tell all of you: this battle in Alabama is not a battle over Donald Trump. It is remarkable to me what's going on in Alabama within the Republican ranks. You have a man that is nothing like Donald Trump. He is basically a shadow of Mitch McConnell, running as Donald Trump with Donald Trump's endorsement. So it can be very, very confusing. And yet the real conservative in the race is not... It's, it's more, rather, is what I'm trying to say. It's Judge Moore. And so, this isn't a vote about Donald Trump, Alabama. Now, we are heard, I think, everywhere in Alabama. Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, Mobile, Tuscaloosa, all over the state of Alabama. All over. And our ratings are through the roof. So there are many, many of you in Alabama who listen to this program. If you think voting for Luther Strange is voting for Donald Trump, you're wrong, despite the fact that Donald Trump has been convinced by detestable Republicans like Mitch McConnell and Bob Corker to make that case. Luther Strange needs to lose in order to awaken Donald Trump. Donald Trump had to learn the hard way when he appointed Rince Priebus as his chief of staff. Rince Priebus isn't there anymore. Luther Strange is worse than Rince Priebus. Worse. If we can't get conservatives out of conservative states, then where the hell are we going to find them? I'm quite serious about this. Despite all Luther Strange's uh, ethical problems, and they're numerous, and they're numerous, Donald Trump's going to Huntsville, a town I know well, a town I love, To try and convince the people of Alabama that voting for Luther Strange is voting for him. No, Luther Strange is Luther Strange. And you folks in Alabama know exactly who he is. Donald Trump will say he needs Luther Strange. How so? Why? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you ask me all the time, all over the country, when I'm talking now to the people in Alabama, what can we do about this situation? You can send a message to Washington. You can send a conservative to Washington. He's not a perfect man. Very few are. But he's perfect enough. And he'll vote the right way. And he will be my guest in about 40 minutes. And I'm talking about Roy Moore, of course. And so uh, Luther Strange is not even an average conservative or moderate. He is a chameleon. He's a chameleon. I just hope the people of Alabama will, the Republicans in Alabama anyway, will nominate the right person. And by the way, still have to go through a general election. So, my fellow conservatives in Alabama, my fellow constitutional conservatives, I encourage you to vote for the Constitution, to vote for individualism, and to vote for liberty. If a guy like Roy Moore can't win in Alabama, then we're going to have problems throughout the country. I'm convinced of this. And The reason McConnell is spending millions and millions and millions of dollars from people outside Alabama, most of the money raised, in fact, inside the Beltway on one or two streets in Washington, D.C., where there are lobbyists galore, is because he thinks Luther Strange is Mitch McConnell. If Mitch McConnell thought Luther Strange was anything like Donald Trump, he wouldn't support him, now would he? So there's a very sleazy game going on here among the rhinos, and that is to portray Luther Strange as a Trump supporter while they're laughing in the shadows in the smoke-filled rooms knowing full well that's not what he is. And Donald Trump is supporting Luther Strange because in this instance, quite frankly, he's vain. Because Luther Strange endorsed him early on or something some such thing. But that's not what's best for his administration. It's not what's best for the Republican Party. And it's not what's best for this country. I can tell you that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Genesil warehouse sale from Chaminade is clearing out fast. So order now to get double, double. You get double your order of Genesil for free. GenoCell is a natural plant stem cell treatment with advanced peptides for the pesky bags and puffiness under the eyes. And with GenoCell's immediate effects, you'll see amazing results in about 12 hours. If you call now and get double your order of GenoCell for free, that is really great. I have family members and friends who use it, and they love it. GenoCell is backed by the best customer service in the business and an ironclad 60-day money-back guarantee. But I'm not finished. Call now. You'll get a two-month supply of the legendary Deep Firming Serum, also absolutely free. Call in the next 20 minutes. You'll get a free two-month supply of Esotique RF, Chamonix's most popular wrinkle treatment, free. That's your fourth free gift. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, double up on Genesel, get the Deep Firming Serum and Esotique all free while supplies last. Order now, and Chaminade will include a special luxury gift. Hello, that's five free gifts. That's free, just for trying Genesel. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, that's 800-SKIN-604. All right, let's see what else is going on out here, folks. Here we go, I'm trying to pull it up. Oh, Sam Joplin, Missouri, the great KZRG, go. Yes, sir. Mike. Hello. All right, Sam, are you there? Go right ahead, please. Please lower yes, your radio.
10: Um, um, pretty young listener. Only been listening for about three years now. Um, 21. Um, but I had something to say about the, the Jimmy Kimmel situation. Um, so the left for years has used socialites and athletes, people like that, um, to in- influential people, um, to progress their agenda because they know that's one of the most successful ways to do so. Um, thinking that they don't do that is ridiculous. Um, they used to do it in Nazi Germany.
1: Um, All right, all right, slow down. I'm not one of these guys that thinks everything should be compared to Nazi Germany. You know what I mean? Where we're dragging people off and and burning them to death in ovens and executing them in mass graves and so forth and so on. But what Jimmy Kimmel did here was very deceitful of the American people in his audience in that he didn't inform the American people in his audience that he'd been collaborating extensively with Chuck Schumer and left-wing think tanks. Uh, and it's not just about Jimmy Kimmel I hate to tell him this when it comes to health care it's about all of us it's about all our families it's about all the sick people in this country go ahead
10: Absolutely. and it's 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 disgusting that the left uses that in young people um, and that rhetoric to bring out the emotional heartstrings that they're pulling um, to use the young people to to progress their their agenda Um, as a young person in college um, I see it every day um, every time somebody sees something on social media, um, every time somebody sees something on you know the drive-by media when it comes to CNN, MSNBC, or just things they see on Facebook, um, they believe it in a heartbeat, um, no matter what it is. Um, and it's just it's ridiculous for somebody who sees the light and sees what's going on um, to not think that something's wrong with that. Um, and I just think that it's our duty to show these people and to show people on the left that. Um, you're getting deceived. You're getting um, manipulated into thinking something that.
1: Well, what we, all... we need you when you say show people on the left, I just think we need to begin to to start taking back chunks of the culture, and we need to start taking back chunks of university and college faculty. And this is uh, this is a puzzle that we're going to have to solve as as conservatives, because right now there is essentially a monopoly of ideology in these institutions that are very powerful and have a great reach. I mean, you know, your kid goes to a university or college, most of them are being indoctrinated in one one form or another, but in one direction for sure. Then you go see a movie, in many cases you get the same claptrap, maybe you turn on a late night show, you get Jimmy Kimmel spouting uh, basically Chuck Schumer talking points, and then you have uh, Colbert basically spouting Chuck Schumer talking points. At best, you'll get somebody who's neutral, but typically you'll get somebody who's incredibly left-wing. You look at the Comedy Channel, same thing at night, all left-wing all the time. And now you look at sports. Sports is becoming all left-wing all the time, too. And, uh, and they don't tolerate any opposite opinion. There's Jimmy Kimmel trashing people who disagree with him trying to paint them as individuals who who uh who uh who, who despise uh you know little children with a congenital heart disease or heart failure for that matter uh you see the same thing in sports they want a, uh, a you've got four players or three players and one former player writing the NFL saying we want a month that recognizes you know um inequality that's taking place in this country uh and so they're devouring The system, they're devouring all systems within the society. And we have to figure out a way to push back other than beat our chests and complain about it. And uh, I'm working on that now. I'm thinking about it very, very much. You have to keep in mind when it comes to education, Landmark Legal Foundation and a handful of other conservative and libertarian legal groups have fought hard for school choice of virtually any kind in order to try and break up the uh, public school monopoly. And we've got to break up these faculties in... uh, in these colleges and universities, and if you read "Plunder and Deceit," I have a whole chapter on this. How old did you say you are? Uh,
10: 21, 21, sir.
1: All right, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of "Plunder and Deceit." And by the way, everybody, "Plunder and Deceit." I don't need to hawk "Plunder and Deceit." It's over, but you really ought to read it because I address this specifically. I don't know if you can get it at libraries anymore or anything like that, but you really ought to read plunder to see because I go through all this stuff and I go through the educational stuff too which is very very important to understand in my view. Let's see let us go to Caleb Huntsville Alabama the great WVNN go
11: yes sir uh, you're gonna have Roy Moy on later tonight is that what I heard
1: That's what you heard
11: okay. I, uh, I hate it, I missed the uh, debate that they had uh, yesterday with uh, uh, Luther Strange and Roy Moore. I wish I could have listened to it.
1: Well, you um, still can, it's online.
11: I'll, I'll, I'll check it out, I just got off of work. Um, one of the things that I was wanting to maybe hear from Roy Moore tonight, if we're going to talk to him and you were able to... I
1: res- I'm not really inviting questions because I have my own ideas of what I want to ask, but go ahead.
11: No, that's fine. I, I talked to someone who uh, I'm, I was more open. To when, when I was voting, I voted for Trip Pittman. Um, but
1: uh, I don't even know who Trip Pittman is, quite frankly.
11: That's fine. Uh,
1: that's that's the second worst name in this race. There's Luther Strange, and then there's Trip Pittman. Is that what you said, well, sir? So,
11: and who is I, Trip?
1: Hold on. Was Trip Pittman a state senator or something?
11: He was a he was a businessman.
1: Businessman. Okay.
11: If you were gonna all
1: right let's go we're running out of time what do you want me to ask him
11: I, well, it's fine if I'm bothering you I'll just get up here
1: I said we're running out of time what do you want to ask him <phone rings> what is the problem and who the hell's trip Pittman anyway <laughs> no offense I'll be right back mud Lovin'. I just googled his name is a state senator I didn't even know it I just guessed the gentleman who called said no he's a businessman well he may be both but he's a state senator and uh, what I'm going to do with Roy Moore is ask him some questions but give him an opportunity to communicate his message which he never gets Luther Strange Mitch McConnell And unfortunately, with the support now of Mike Pence and Donald Trump, has been defining Roy Moore with millions and millions and millions of dollars. I want Roy Moore to tell us where he stands and give him an opportunity to speak. Not to play gotcha with the guy. This will probably be his only opportunity to have a nationally syndicated host with a show that covers every corner of Alabama to speak. To speak. And so I want him to have, have an opportunity to define himself. People have been spending money defining him. People have been trying to define him through the media and so forth. Of course, whenever you're a conservative, you're defined as a kook. They cherry pick your statements. I know, I've been there. They do it to me. They do it to all conservatives, whether you're running for office or whether you're in the in public eye in one form or another. But we'll let the people of Alabama and, of course, the people of the United States get a sense of who Roy Moore is. The man was Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. He was removed at least once because he supported leaving the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. And the federal courts got involved and ordered him to remove it, and he wouldn't remove it. Now, I personally don't know why the Ten Commandments can't be in the courthouse. That's not establishing a religion. Establishing a religion is what takes place in countries like Iran. We don't establish religions here. We don't force people to do anything. But that doesn't mean you destroy everything either. Whether you're pulling down statues or taking the Ten Commandments out of courthouses and so forth. You know, ladies and gentlemen, for the vast majority of American history, there would be nothing offensive about having the Ten Commandments in a courthouse. Nothing. Am I behind, Mr. Producer, on anything here? You know, it's hard to believe that 2017 is (coughs) is three-fourths over. That September is almost over. Time doesn't stand still, so don't waste another minute. Join AMAC right now. AMAC is the Association of Mature American Citizens... It is the leading conservative voice for Americans age 50 and up. And they're resolved to continue their mission to restore America's moral compass, to make America a better place for our children, and to save America from the left's ideology. As an an AMAC member, and I am one, you'll also gain access to a variety of exclusive benefits and discounts that will help you save a lot of money. You really ought to check this out. These discounts cover car insurance, Medicare plans, hotels, rental cars, and more. AMAC is the organization to join. It's a voice for conservatives in Washington. It has exceptional discounts and benefits. What's not to love about it? Join AMAC now. Go to www.amac.us. That's www.amac.us. It's that simple. Or call them toll-free, 888-262-2006. That's 888-262-2006. The Association of Mature American Citizens, the benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join AMAC today. So again, the people of Alabama aren't voting again for Donald Trump. Luther Strange is no Donald Trump. Luther Strange is backed by Mitch McConnell for a reason. I think Donald Trump has made a huge mistake here. I don't know who's advising him. Maybe nobody's advising him. But he's made a huge mistake. That's why constitutional conservatives all over the country are lining up behind Roy Moore. They're lining up behind Ro- Roy Moore, not Luther Strange. And so what's McConnell doing with millions and millions of dollars that he's raised from lobbyists and special interests? Trying to destroy Roy Moore. Not promote Luther Strange. There's nothing to promote. What are you going to say? Luther Strange is the most unethical guy in the Senate? What are you going to say? Luther Strange is one of the dumbest guys in the Senate? Luther Strange is a good lapdog to Mitch McConnell, so they can't really promote Luther Strange. so they try to destroy Roy Moore. Yes, those ads, most of them are backed by Mitch McConnell. And not only that, Carl Rove. Oh yes, yes. I'll be right back.
0: Come from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now, there's Trump appearance in Huntsville. It's Huntsville. If you're from Huntsville or you've been there, They don't pronounce it Huntsville. But there you have it. Um thing is, when he takes the stage and it's covered wall-to-wall by some of the cable channels, it helps the candidate. Because the opposition candidate, in this case, Judge Roy Moore, doesn't have an opportunity to get that much face time or air time. Which is exactly why I've invited him on this program. And he'll be on this program, at least he's scheduled to be in about 12 or 13 minutes, and he'll have an opportunity to speak about what he believes. Again, this isn't an election about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not on the ballot, and if Luther Strange actually had some substance, he'd be running on the Luther Strange positions, the Luther Strange agenda. But he doesn't, and he hasn't. I want to repeat something because, you know, people come in and out during a three-hour program. Those of you who stay, I want to thank you. Jimmy Kimmel's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of praise uh, using his nightly monologues to trash uh, senators who oppose Obamacare or who are proposing alternatives to it. And he wraps himself in uh, rather outrageous arguments without fully knowing or caring to know what the alternative plan is. And I read... The National Review editorial, which is outstanding, I recommend you check it. If you didn't hear my uh, uh, reading it, well, it was the first or second hour of the program. You can go there to uh, National Review Online; they have it, obviously. But the Daily Beast broke a story just a few hours ago, which I mentioned to you, and that is over the past week, opposition to the latest Republican effort to repeal and replace Obamacare has been driven by a late-night talk show host would express little interest in healthcare policy prior to this year. Jimmy Kimmel's nightly monologues decrying Senator Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy's bill became must-see TV as the ABC host systematically attacked both the specifics of the legislation and Cassidy himself. Behind the scenes, the ABC star was getting an assist. Kimmel and his team were in touch with healthcare officials, charities, and advocacy groups Multiple sources told the Daily Beast he was also in touch with the office of Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who, according to a source familiar with their conversations, quote, provided technical guidance and info about the bill, as well as stats from various think tanks and experts on the effects of Graham Cassidy. So he's nothing more than a comic mouthpiece for the left, for Schumer. For Democrat think tanks, I doubt he went to the Heritage Foundation or the Cato Institute or the American Enterprise Institute. I doubt he went to Freedom Works. I doubt he went to any of those organizations. Now we know the typical left wing groups, and he was deceitful. And the reason he's deceitful is if you're going to be a mouthpiece for Chuck Schumer and the Democrats in the Senate, if you're going to be a mouthpiece for progressive ideologues, then at least tell your audience that you consulted with Chuck Schumer while you're trash-mouthing Graham and Cassidy. This is a matter of character, ladies and gentlemen. Issue aside, it's a matter of character. It is misleading to do what Kimmel has done. That's why I call him deceitful, because he is. So he got help from Chuck Schumer behind the scenes. They colluded If you will. And of course he tweeted out a thank you to John McCain, uh, for, uh, for his announcement today that he will oppose the Republican plan. So he, he leaned on experts, so-called leftists, I would argue, including Schumer, and he didn't tell anybody. Certainly didn't tell anybody during the course of his programs. Now another thing. And I fall into this from time to time too. But in this case, we need to be more specific. You're going to hear radio hosts and TV hosts go on and on. Those damn Republicans can't even pass a repeal and replace. Those damn Republicans, here we go again. They can't even pass this or that. I'm I'm here to tell you that there's three Republican senators who have prevented the Republicans in the Senate from passing even hugely imperfect bills that begin the process of unraveling Obamacare. John McCain, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski. Now, Murkowski may wind up voting for this Graham-Cassidy bill, knowing that there's enough votes to kill it. But it is Susan Collins, John McCain, and Lisa Murkowski. Rand Paul on this one, which is inexplicable, given his vote for the last one, which was even worse. But let's put him aside. You have the Republicans in the Senate who are being controlled by the most liberal Republican in the Senate, Susan Collins, the second most liberal Republican in the Senate, Lisa Murkowski, and John McCain. Those three are determining the outcome of most of these votes. So it's not the Republicans in the Senate. You can say that if you're concerned that there isn't a straight Republican up-and-down support for a repeal bill, as there was when Obama was president. Yes, you're right about that, and I'm right about that, absolutely. But in this instance, it becomes important to name names, to name names. And this is what separates the real host from the backbenchers. And this is what separates us from so many other people. Collins, Murkowski, and McCain, putting Rand Paul aside for this one. Not that he's not responsible for it. He is. But Collins, McCain, and Murkowski are the same three. Collins thinks that they don't spend enough money. Murkowski thinks they don't spend enough money, and particularly because she wishes to bring home the pork to Alaska. That's all she cares about. And John McCain having campaigned against Obamacare. And by the way, Murkowski too. They have flipped And for that, they are praised by the Democrats. They're praised by Hollywood. They're praised by the usual media types. So it's not enough just to say, oh, the Republicans this and the Republicans that. In this instance, anyway. Okay? In this case, it's those three. There's four, but the pattern of the three, the same three, goes on. And I think it's very, very important to remember that. All right, we're going to take a, a slightly earlier break here, so we have enough time. Assuming, uh, are we calling Judge Moore, or is he calling us, Mr. Producer? All right, we'll be right back. love, Judge Roy Moore, how are you, sir?
4: Very fine, sir. Thank you.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. The president's speaking now, but you're speaking to a pretty big audience, too, you know. Millions and millions of people. Well, thank you. You've been under brutal assault by Mitch McConnell and his front man, Luther Strange, and they raised an enormous amount of money from lobbyists and special interests in and around Washington, D.C., And although the president is speaking now, I wanted you to have an opportunity to speak to all the people in Alabama and all over the country. Let me ask you this. Yes. Why are you running for the United States Senate?
4: Because I think uh, I can take something to Washington that no one else can and make a difference.
1: And your principles are much different than Luther Strange's principles. Isn't that correct? Very. In what way?
4: Well, I, I adhere to the Constitution. I understand the law. I understand that uh, what motivates a person to go to Washington can be many different things. Some go for power. Some go for money. Some go for prestige. Some go to have a retirement. Some go to just uh, mix with people of a higher, they think, class. I don't. I'm going there to serve people of Alabama and people of this country in bringing back the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the United States Constitution. And that's and the we, only reason.
1: Now, when we talk about Washington, D.C., do you agree with me that the federal government today really does not adhere to the limits in the Constitution?
4: Absolutely. You take, you take DACA. DACA is a, a very good example. When the President of the United States, Barack Obama, tried to pass... The Development, Relief, Education, and of uh, Alien Minors Act, or bill, before the United States Congress, it failed on more than one occasion. And then Janet Napolitano, after a memo of the Department of uh, uh, DHS, uh, Homeland Security, sent a memo that is called uh, Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, DACA. And uh, by that mere memo, hundreds of thousands, if not over a million, I understand, of illegal aliens have stayed in this country. And now we've got a unique problem. The, The problem is, really goes back to the fact that separation of powers prevents the executive of any branch from violating the law. It doesn't give them a license to violate law. They can have executive orders to the executive branch, but they can't violate the law. And that's exactly what they did. But nobody in Congress stood up and said, you can't do this. Now everybody's spinning around trying to figure out what we're going to do with these illegal aliens that have been in our country. It kind of reminds me of, uh, what Madison said in his memorial remonstrance. He said, the freedom of America did not wait till usurped power had strengthened itself by exercise. And entangled the question in precedence. They saw all the consequences in the principle and they avoided the consequences by denying the principle. That we revere this lesson too much soon to forget it. But we have forgotten that principle. We've forgotten that admonition of our founding father that once we step into the quicksand and we get our feet stuck and then we get the other foot stuck. And the first thing you know, we can't get out of it. It's, it's a precedent that, that, that results in Washington's, uh, language in his farewell address, women, permanent evil. Mm -hmm. He said the president must always greatly overbalance in permanent evil, any partial or transient benefit which the use can any time yield. In other words, once you start in something, it's very hard to get out of it. And that's where we are with this illegal alien thing. And actually, it's where we're going with the health care issue. Health care was never considered by the Republican Party. Uh, in fact, it failed every time until Barack Obama got in. It failed when Clinton tried, Hillary Clinton tried to push it in. And now we're talking about, uh, replacing it with something and then nobody liked that. So now they're going to send the the money to the states and everybody seems to like that. Well, there's some good things in that, but still we, we need to get out of the healthcare business Mm -hmm. as a federal government because it's simply not something federal government federal government doesn't run business well that 's why the free enterprise system is so vital to our country and uh... we need to go back to free enterprise and all business and health care we can uh if we eliminate the mccarran ferguson act uh, i'm sorry McCarran, I think it's Ferguson act in nineteen forty five let me let, what do
1: you think this is why Mitch McConnell is so hell-bent on defeating you, that you don't buy into the into the mindset of, of a lot of these Washington politicians, that this is the way it is, and you play around on the edges and so forth. It sounds like you want to be a voice on the floor of the United States Senate who speaks for Alabama and who speaks for the framers as the framers of the Constitution would speak. Is that correct?
4: Well, I hope so, and, and uh, of course... I've been in a lot of situations, and I'm not a follower. Uh, it was reported on July 3rd um, of this year that Mitch McConnell did uh, not, with a 52-48 majority, did not want another uh, conservative rebel in the system already difficult to manage, which, and they were talking about me because the paragraph before and after mentioned my name. So I guess I'm the conservative rebel Well. I don't care who goes to the Senate. they shouldn't be managed by anybody else. It mm-hmm. should be managed by the Constitution of the United States and uh that's all that's what they're sworn to uh their federal state executive legislative, and judicial officer is sworn to and when we get past that, when we start thinking of politics as a party uh somebody's going to tell you how to vote we we'll, we've lost all sense of uh our commitment to the Constitution and the Supreme Law of the Land.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, the your positions on a lot of these issues will give Mitch McConnell heartburn because you're a conservative and he's not for the most part. Is that correct?
4: Well, I, I don't know Mitch McConnell. Uh, from what I can understand, he doesn't want me up there. So I guess
1: <laughs>
4: well, that's to say the least. I mean... Well, uh, let,
1: let, let me let, uh, before we went out. Has Mitch McConnell ever spoken to you? No. no. He's never called you.
4: No.
1: So he never he never asked you positions, never asked you about the issues, none, nothing like that. And yet his pack is spending a fortune trying to define you and ruin you.
4: According to MSNBC, which I don't know how much you can believe there, but if you can believe it, they they said three thirty million dollars now. I, hadn't calculated that much, but, you know, maybe they've got facts, I don't know. But it's a lot of money, mm-hmm. more than we have.
1: Has sure. has President Trump, during the course of your fight with Luther Strange, has he talked to you?
4: No, and I can't really get through to him. So, you know, I don't know what they've told him about me, but certainly I would uh, support an agenda to get moving in this country.
1: So you would have liked to have spoken to him?
4: Well, sure. I mean, uh, I think there's something going on that I don't know about. But I don't know what they told him about my support for him and the fact that we we'll won't stop illegal aliens and uh, remove health care. I support those type things.
1: Don't you find it interesting that guys like Bob Corker in Tennessee that helped pave the way for this Iran deal and? And uh, and others were lobbying the president of the United States to go to Huntsville tonight to do what he's doing. I mean, if you're uh, gonna f- if you're gonna fight the swamp, I mean, Bob Corker is like the swamp monster.
4: Well, uh, Luther Strange isn't far behind because he was a lobbyist for 23 years in Washington, uh, had a place at 801 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue uh, for 23 years. I mean, you know. If we're going to drain the swamp, we don't. If we're going to rid of lobbyists, we don't, certainly don't need them. The United States Senate, and that's my position. Uh, if we do that, then you know we're going to have more problems, and uh, I just don't think that's. But that's my opponent, and that's what I'm running against.
1: I've got one minute left. Do you have a website?
4: Yes, it's RoyMoore.org. I'd appreciate anybody that would like to contribute or go and see what I stand for. Go to RoyMoore.org. And look at that website and uh, we certainly welcome their contribution and uh, we are opposed by, I'll I say about 15 to 1 at the minimum in money and yet we are winning, we are leading, and I believe we're going to uh, be victorious in the upcoming uh, runoff election.
1: Well, I've never met you, Judge, but I have endorsed you, and I wish you all the best, and I hope all of our folks in Alabama come out and vote big time. It's a turnout election. That's what's going to make the difference. God bless you and all my best.
4: Thank you, sir, for the endorsement.
1: All right. You be well, and I'll be right back.
4: America's Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811.
1: Okay. Now I get it. Now I get it. You know why Trump is endorsing strange? Because he's been told by McConnell and Corker and all the rest of the losers in the Senate that Roy Moore can't win the general election in Alabama against the Democrat. Trump just said that he feels that Strange would definitely win the general election, but Moore might lose it. So that's what they've told him. That's what the Svengali's have told him. And I want you to think about something. Because McConnell and Rove and this guy Rowe and all these guys, all they know is to run these enormously negative campaigns where they trash the opponents. If Roy Moore is the nominee, and if he loses the general election, I don't think he would. It would be because of what McConnell, Rove, and Roy, and Roe, among others, have done in the course of this primary. They don't want to discuss issues, they don't want to discuss ideas, they don't want to discuss the country. They just run these sleazy campaigns. You know, the turmoil in America, let alone around, around the world, you can assume it's going to continue with groups like Antifa and so forth. Every day we we hear about risks that I've been talking about for months. Geopolitical and cyber risks continue to be in the news every day. Other risks. People are talking about the stock market bubble now. No matter where you turn, there are serious risks that are affecting our lives. And we need to take them seriously. And we need to be prepared in our own lives and with our own finances. Take the steps to protect yourself now so you're prepared for the future. Gold is one of the ways to do that. And I have gold. And I put it away. Gold coins in particular. And gold always survives. Gold survives financial crises, wars, currency failures, and so forth. And it survived throughout the centuries. It's better to gain peace of mind than looking back and wishing you did, in fact, diversify So for a limited time, Goldline is offering price protection for three months on orders as low as $2,500. It's an amazing special from Goldline, and I trust Goldline, and you can call them at 1-877-365-COIN. Be sure to read their important risk information, and that way you'll know if buying gold is right for you. 1-877-365-COIN, 1-877-365-2646. So here's tweets. President Trump says Senator Strange doesn't know Mitch McConnell at all. Now, really? Now that's preposterous. What else? Let's see here. Senator Strange says that Trump's here so that he can have the votes in the Senate to stand up to Mitch McConnell. I mean, is this a joke? I think it is. Um, the crowd was chanting Locker Up. Trump said, well, you got to talk to Jeff Sessions about that. <laughs> you know, Trump is a very likable guy. He's very charismatic. I know there are people who hate him. I don't get that. I just don't get that. All right. Let's take a couple calls here. Eddie, Orange County, California, in the Mark Levin app. How are you, brother?
6: Oh, great. My, my man, uh, my main man. Wait a minute. My man's man, yellow, the great educator, like we didn't already know that, Mark Levin. What an honor it is for you, Mark, and you know I'm always humbled every time I talk to you. And I'm going to tell you something, Mark, about being humbled. It's a wonderful feeling when somebody can humble you, Mark. It really is. Don't you agree?
1: Thank you. Oh, you're very kind.
6: Mark, I want to talk about the brave men and women of my armed forces who are on the front line risking life and limb for me with what Milhouse has started, you know, with his foreign disasters. And unless the president can reverse some of this, we are in a bad way as a country, Mark, and American people's tolerance level is going through the roof. Now, Mark, your teachings has turned your twin into an influential beast, and with influence comes great responsibility. And right now, supporting my men and women in the armed forces, my first responders, and my men and women in the police department is priority. I mean, whose purpose in life is to make sure that no harm comes to me, And if it does, they will be the first on the scene to care for me and to handle my business. So so much love, so much love to the frontliners, Mark, Uh, a battle I can't win without these good people. And, and Sonny Mark, I want to say this to you. uh, It's time to push back. You know, I'm talking about with an Ernie Shaver, straight right-handed head, push back. I've had enough. I'm tired. I've got two dragons left, Mark, and the keys to the Kraken at my disposal. You don't want to anger me no more than you already have. Frontliners, Mark, are like babies. They like to be told that that they love, that they're appreciated, and they, and that everybody thinks well of them. You know, babies love that, and so the front frontliners. Mark, I just want to tell you, I love you so much, and thank you so for all that you do. God bless you, Mark, and may God continue to bless America.
1: Eddie, I love you too, buddy. You're you're just terrific. Eddie's been with me a long time, and thank you, and be safe. Thank you, Mark. Mike Norfolk, Virginia, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Mike?
8: Hey Mark, thank you so much for taking my call. I like that Eddie call as well. Um um, I wanted to speak to something that was a personal experience of mine in relation to what Jimmy Kimmel has said. Um I think sometimes the left they like to take a one incident and apply it to everybody. Well, in nineteen ninety four my daughter was born in Worcester General Hospital in Massachusetts and was taken to Boston Children's Hospital uh... with where we found out she had a very serious congenital heart defect uh... something called Epstein's anomaly um, and we were told by the doctors that there was very slim chance that she would live even for a couple of weeks now my experience i mean this was nineteen ninety four there was no such thing as obamacare um, but Unbeknownst to me, there were programs that were, that they brought to us that said are available to us to be able to help her, my daughter, get the best treatment possible. They even came to us and said, we have an experimental program that we, you know, that if you will let us try it, we'll give, we're going to try everything we can to help her. Well, they did help her. Long story short, she's 23 years old now, mm. and she had a uh, heart transplant when she was a little girl, and she's a, a student going to college at Dean College in Massachusetts. Um, and so, um, I think that uh, Jimmy. So what, is, has, what is your uh, message? Like,
1: to, what is your message to Jimmy Kimmel?
8: My message is this: is I think that. Uh, a jimmy kimball t- type person is you're you're exactly right he's given these talking points and he doesn't really and he just kind of puts a blanket over the whole country thinking that every everybody's situation um it, is like his and that without his money he would not be able to uh con- you know do what he was able to do for his child when i know for a fact that that is not true and there are programs that are out there for people who aren't rich like Jimmy Kimmel that uh were there that are there today that were not even there when Obamacare wasn't there. And when Ob- if we get Obamacare out of out of the way, those programs are still going to be there to take care of our children in our country.
1: Where where, of- where do people like Jimmy Kimmel think the greatest doctors come out of? They think they come out of government. Where do they think the greatest drugs available on the face of the earth for the most part where do they think they come from the private sector where do they think the the surgical devices uh and and the advancements in uh, in treatment and care and quality of life, where do they think these things come from i mean why why do they have so much faith in these washington politicians and bureaucrats and departments and agencies and red tape and regulations Do they not realize that if we did away with even 10% of it, 20% of it, the advances that we would be making, how we would drive down costs, they don't understand economics, they don't understand what a great system we have if we would take our foot off its throat. Why do they think that if we actually believe in these principles and practice these principles, that somehow we're not compassionate the reason we're the most compassionate face uh, nation on the face of the earth. The reason we're the most tolerant nation on the face of the earth. The reason we are the most financially and economically successful nation on the face of the earth. has nothing to do with bureaucrats and departments and agencies and politicians. And everything to do with the American people. And yet people like Jimmy Kimmel, they sit there and they collude with guys like Chuck Schumer. Honest to God, they have their own personal experiences... They have no comprehension of what's going on in this country, what's going on around them. None whatsoever. And guys like you, Mike, and I have my own examples, but I'll keep my family out of this. We know. We know. And there are many, many families out there who can speak to this, but they don't have a microphone and they don't have a camera. And I am so thrilled to hear about your 23-year-old daughter, Mike. And God bless you, my friend. Wonderful call. I appreciate it. All right. Let us continue. Do I have time, Mr. Producer, or not? Oh, I don't. All right, let me go to this. Let's see here. Oh, i got my place. We all hear the stories in the news. The good guy uses a gun to protect his family from criminals, and then he's the one who gets arrested. Now, thanks to our court system, this happens a lot. And that's exactly what can happen to you, unless you're fully prepared. Now, here's how you can take a simple and rewarding journey to concealed carry and home defense confidence. It's called the 2017 Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide, and it's from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, and it's 100% free. You'll learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest and most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun even if you have little kids, and a whole lot more. It's 164 pages, and it comes with a bonus audio version so you can listen in your car. This life-changing guide is 100% free and for a limited time. You'll also get a bonus home defense checklist. Visit DefendThem.com right now for 100% free instant access. Once again, that's DefendThem.com, DefendThem.com.
7: love, in.
1: Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. We don't have a lot of time. Go.
5: Okay. So Republicans know the biggest problem in this country is the incredible, outrageous health insurance premiums that no one can afford. So do they write a bill to bring down premiums, bring down costs? No. They write a bill to All right, let's stop
1: you right there. So tell me, Laura, how do we write a bill to bring down premiums and bring down costs in liberal land?
5: Well, sir, the first thing you do is you get rid of the blood-sucking health insurance
1: rackets. So we get rid of the insurance companies, is that it? That's number one. Let me tell you something, lady. Let me educate you, you leftists from New York. It's the blood-sucking government that's creating the problems. It's the blood-sucking liberals in this country who get their hands on everything and redistribute wealth and try to rebuild this country in their image. The problem is they don't have an image, do they? You act like people in this country, a a but for Obamacare, but for big government, are going to die in the streets. Has that ever happened, miss? When did that happen? The second thing you do... Answer my question. When did people with pre-existing conditions die in the streets? Can you tell me? When did that, not in your lifetime... I died of cancer. Get off the phone, you jerk. Now I feel better. Now I feel better. That blood-sucking insurance company. Blood su- I, I hear this Marxist Bernie Sanders crap all the time. Every now and then we we want to present one for you. See, the answer is, ladies and gentlemen, get rid of profit. Get rid of capitalism. Get rid of the market system. Everybody should get everything, and we know it doesn't work. We have a Veterans Administration. We know it doesn't work. We have Medicaid that's going broke. Medicare is going broke. I wish everybody could get everything they want. But there were realistic, mature adults here. We're not left-wing kooks who seek to impose on us a system that will destroy our healthcare pro- uh, system. How many more experiments do we need in this country and in other countries? How many more? You want waiting lists? That's what she offers. That's right. You want rationing of health care? That's what she offers. They cannot choose a single socialist healthcare system. I don't care if it's Britain, France, Canada, anywhere. And they're the best examples. Where people aren't dying because they're waiting. Where people aren't dying because they have such rare diseases, the government decides it's not worth it. Where people aren't dying because they're old. Where the government decides, all right, you're 80, you're whatever, that's enough already. There's nothing humane or compassionate about government-run socialist health care. Period. All right, ladies and gentlemen, every Friday, America, in your honor... forces, police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Get Al-Qaeda. Get the Taliban. Yes, they're still out there. Get ISIS. Get all those subhuman cockroaches. I'll see you on Levin TV in two minutes and I'll see you on the radio next week. God bless each and every one of you. Be well.